So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby podcast. Uh, round three, Super Rugby Pacific has wrapped up and we finally saw a little bit of Moana Pacifica um, up against the Vaulted Crusaders. Bit of a B team there on Friday night. Um, but we finally saw a few glimpses of this team that we've heard so much about under the coaching expertise of Aaron Major there. Um, and they, they showed a little bit of promise there against the Crusaders. Probably the biggest story there was the Fijian Drua on the same night getting their first win in Super Rugby Pacific over the Rebels, 31-26. Um, the Western Force went down to the Reds at HPF. Blues got it in a tight one. Chiefs just missing a final uh, kick at goal to get the win there, but Blues hold on 24-22 in a scintillating game. Um, the Hurricanes beat the Highlanders 21-14 to hit the Highlanders with their Slowest start since 2013, it appears. And the Brumbies, 27-20, survived a late surge from the Waratahs in what many thought would be a much bigger blowout there. Um, I've got Leo and Toby here with me. Before we have a look at any of these games, guys, I just want to bring our attention to an article that we've seen over the last couple of days, which has had a couple of ex-All Blacks um, calling for a reduction in the number of Australian rugby teams and talking about only three rounds in with no Australian teams faced any New Zealand opponents, how they're not up to standard. I just want to get your guys' early take on this because it's, it's a story we continue continually hear um, over the past few years, not even only last year when the Australian teams only managed two wins against the New Zealand opponents, but a couple of years back when uh, we were in the midst of proper super rugby um, and Australian teams just couldn't seem to get wins against New Zealand opponents. What, do you, what are your thoughts here? Is five Australian Super Rugby teams too many? Look, Arch, I think at the moment it is easy to say that, but I think long-term, if we continue to build as we are with these a few of these teams resetting their programs and, and moving through with more cohesion, I think actually you'll start to see better results. But it's a pretty convenient time to really kick the Rebels, for example, whilst they're down. You've seen the Force have a real resurgence, which has been great. And I think the Waratahs have showed a lot of promise this year. And then we've got the Reds and Brumbies playing at a pretty high level. So I think it's really only the Rebels that we should be a bit worried about at the present time. The Kiwis, I think, were making the point in the context of lack of superstars within Australian rugby at the moment playing here domestically. And I take their point a little bit with that because, you know, you have guys like Taniela Tupo, who, you know, are pretty known mainstream-wise, Michael Hooper. Um, we don't really have those top level, I think, in terms of public, you know, public knowledge-wise of these guys that are, people outside rugby are going to know necessarily. But that's something we can work on. And there's a lot of young, exciting talent coming through the system now that I think could emerge into that. But, yeah, classic, classic argument by the Kiwis when they think that possibly – they're going to run all over us in a, a few weeks' time when the Kiwi sides start playing the Aussie sides. But who knows? I think 
to be honest, the Australian sides have shown a lot of promise this year and we could see some um, some upsets, I think, against their Kiwi counterparts. Yeah, I thought this article was was really dumb. Like, it just didn't need to be written. The the commentary or the, the comments out of that pair of New Zealand ex-players, like, that's that's comments made on a hot take show, a weekly show where they, you know, they, they make their points, they make their arguments, but a lot of it's hot air. It doesn't get continued week to week. And we just, like, I don't think you need to overanalyze it. They've, they've got to come up with content at some point and it's an easy punching bag. But, you know, if you ask them to produce some data or some evidence that supports their point, it's pretty shaky ground really because, for one thing, we haven't seen the current teams play against New Zealand. So we've got no benchmarking of the Australian level of play versus the Kiwi level of play. Obviously got the historical benchmark and last year wasn't a particularly successful uh, period in the um, the combined Super Rugby uh, Trans Tasman series, but let's let's assume that you know teams have changed over twelve months. Um, there's two games this weekend where the Reds were pushed by the Force, and you know James O'Connor masterclass got the Reds over the line. They they played well in their moments, but the Force were competitive, and and certainly should be expecting that the you know second spot on our um, sort of our side of the Tasman is is up for grabs. Equally, the Waratahs, who were absolute punching bags last year, like lost every game, were, were woeful with very few redeeming qualities. And they pushed the Brumbies' seven-point margin and the Brumbies didn't look bad. The Brumbies were the same set-piece, dominant, well-oiled, great combinations through the backs, great ball movement for forwards and backs. Like, there's two teams that that weren't at that level last year, have gone through a massive amount of change and some uh, rebuilding and they're still competitive. And, you know, the Rebels are, there's always a weakest team. The Highlanders have gone zero and three. What's the difference, you know? Um, I just think it's a pointless pointless argument for them to make without backing it up. And it's it's not really able to be proven one way or the other until these teams face each other. And I think the Reds and the Brumbies on home soil will, will give these teams, New Zealand teams, a run for the money and the Force may get some upset opportunities. The Waratahs should be looking for a win there too. At least, yeah, I agree. To be honest, and I think you're right. Absolutely, the the same. If we had a couple of years of success, the same thing that you would be saying about the Highlanders team would be like, oh, does Dunedin even need a team these days? Is they don't really have any superstars in their team? Son, sort of Aaron Smith, and sort of lacking anyone else. Um, they're not they're not playing exciting footy at the moment. It's all a bit sloppy. So very easy to flip the book on that one. And just quickly, like it's calling no superstars. Like Jock was awesome on the weekend. Um, I don't know that he's seen as a as a like a name in light superstar, but like on the weekend, he was genuinely electric. Um, and Valentini was amazing. Like they, these guys mustn't be that in touch with our teams because Valentini has been dominant force this week, uh, sorry, this this competition so far and, and continuing his form from last year. You got guys like Pasatoa and Fines getting a lot of excitement through the force. Um, the Waratahs have multiple guys. Priest is getting a lot of airtime this week, but multiple guys there, up-and-comers and, and 
some other guys have been there for a couple of years and are really starting to actually get some traction and, and link some games together. Like it's just, it's, I actually think it's just wrong to say that there's no superstars. Like sure. There's a couple of guys playing overseas that you'd love to have, but the Kiwis have lost good people at times and it's not like the next crop don't rise to the top. Yeah. We continually are seeing Damien McKenzie starring for the Suntory um, Goliath over in there in Japan on his sabbatical year. So, um, and the main thing I definitely identified that made me question that article was they reference all the Wallabies overseas and then they are on oh, Ollie Hoskins is over there as well, who was an absolute <laughs> large depth sort of um, call in when we were absolutely injury struck just as someone playing in London who's great chap and got his Wallaby debut. All congrats to him, but that's not a superstar that we've let go from Australian rugby um, yeah. overseas. That weakens the argument, doesn't it? Clutching at straws for one more name and, and you have to go to the guy who's a great player got pulled in out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Guys, anything to say about this weekend? I think obviously the biggest sort of um, thing to note was probably the Fiji and Brooke getting their first win. The Melbourne Rebels, though they did get a late try, sort of they looked a bit outclassed here by this Fijian team that really got a chance to stretch their leg um, a little bit more and a few great plays um, from uh, not only sort of their their number seven there getting the the runaway try, uh, Mira Mira as well, but also from their outside centre, Voter as well. Some great plays running from him. Um, anything you want to say about either the Pacifico and Crusaders game or that Fijian Rebels game on Friday night? I think that's the nice, the nice one to sort of summarize for the weekend is the emergence of the two um, new teams. Like Drew, have had some challenging games, finally got a win. Exactly like you said, Mira Mira was excellent, and and both centers, um, Rafael Val and Vota, were just just unstoppable. They were just huge ball runners, huge in defense, limitless energy. Like these guys have have found the the pace of these games and yes, okay. The rebels pace probably isn't the same as the reds or the Brumbies or the crusaders certainly, but they've, they've uh, found a way they've got their first win. This, this is a team that um, the reds I think have this weekend. They should be a little bit scared of because they just jump on all those opportunities you give them. It's not a team you want to face and give up a bunch of unforced errors and turnovers there. They capitalize everywhere they can and they're big and fast and physical. So Excellent to the Fiji, like congratulations them and their um, the Fijiana as well. Uh, fantastic results for them this weekend, and minor Pacifica being the first game against the Crusaders and looked respectable. Were not just pumped by 40, 50 points. Um, scored the first try and and definitely earned respect. So that that's all the games were great this weekend. I really enjoyed. I actually managed to watch all of them. And I really enjoyed all of them. They were all competitive at, the, at different times, most of them all the way through the 80th minute. But great to see those two teams living up to their potential and, and good early signs. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd echo everything Leo said there. I think the Fijian team, you could see, particularly in the second half, they really were gaining some confidence. And I think that'll be huge for them, that win. That will build more and more of that feeling around the group and their, I think they're just overall attitude towards the game in terms of chancing their arm and really playing a fast, aggressive brand of football. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting some some good things to come from them. I think, obviously, once they come up against some of the top Kiwi teams, that could be a real challenge. But 
But from an attacking point of view, particularly, I think they're really going to be able to score some points where defences are lacking and really showed that the Rebels, how far behind the pack they are, which is, I think, a real worry. And they're going to get guys like Hodge back. They're going to get Callaway coming back into the squad soon, which is good. But there are a lot of signs there that there's not that enthusiasm to win. There's not maybe the effort that needs to be there. And I think, again, having Tamur at 10, this just stifling that attack and that needs to change. Highlights on the Moana Pacifica side, I think you've seen a great connection there between the 9 and 10 and Nara and McClutchin. And again, their centres, Tawala and Omua, um, were big hitters in that, similar to the Fijian centres. The centres, I think, in a lot of teams stood out this weekend, but um, a lot of things to like about that, um, along with a few of our names that we know, like Sakopi Keppel and um, Tim A. Stowers, uh, the number eight there that we've seen for the Brumbies and Force as well. Guys, the Western Force and the Reds, a game that I think we thought um, was going to be very tightly fought, and it did feel like it was going a bit back and forth early on, but as Leo, you already highlighted, James O'Connor seemed to step up here, um, ended up needing to take over the captaincy role early um, because of Lucan Salakai Loto's injury in this one, and it seems like that's a bit of a cursed position for the Reds at the moment. But we saw a little bit more of um, his ability to control the game, similar to, I think, what we saw last year when the Reds took down the Brumbies um, in a very measured performance and waiting till the right time to strike. Um, but O'Connor looking every bit sort of the leader of, of this team here and the Reds get the win. Yeah, excellent game all around both sides. Um, the Reds put up with a couple of red, sorry, a couple of yellow cards. Um, there's some controversy about the tackle uh, Paisami put on, which, um, yeah, I mean, we can get into yeah, if we, if we what, want to. But... What, what is over 90, over sort of um, it, it's legs silly. above it, the head? It, if one leg goes up high, is that is that legs above the No, above it's, the head it's not it? legs, it's hips. It's Hips have got to get above shoulders. And the video angle I saw, they were... And it was very marginal. And everyone, all the analysis I've seen is like, you know, the you know, he landed on his sort of back and he was fine. It was a great hit. And I think everything was great, um, except maybe just just quite the ferocity of the lift, which tipped him just past horizontal. And unfortunately, the way the rule is written, I think it was the right call in the end, as much as it's disappointing, because it was a sensational stop from a breakout. Um it's just, you know, by the rules, that's the call that has to be made. There is no room to, um, to um, you know, adjust and mitigate because of the outcome. And that's the right way. It, sh- it shouldn't be outcome-based. It should be potential-based. I've said that for ages. So uh, that sucks. But just on Paisami, like, I think O'Connor's getting a lot of the raps and deservedly so, but I think a lot of the success also was just the stability of having Paisami back in there at 13 uh, Hamish Stewart had a great game. Paisami was outside him making a lot of good moves as well. Very strong in defense. He's a big threat in defense. People don't don't run through that channel uh, as comfortably when he's there. And it was just a great team performance for, for a group of guys who'd spent a lot of the week tidying up in, in their hometown in Brisbane after the floods, committing time to the community, flying late. O'Connor flew very late. I think he flew on his own via... I thought he took um, a canoe. Well, he did earlier in the week. Um, 
and and then a double like a like a two stage flight mm, had to go to by Earth. Adelaide, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So you know they they've put put in a lot, um, and they got really shaken early with with Lucan going down, other people looking a bit sore, and you know, um, I can't remember if it was Paisami or, or no, it might have been Stewart. Someone had a, like what looked like a, I think someone landed on Stewart, and he got sort of squashed a bit around his hip, and he looked a bit sore and unhappy, and. It just didn't feel like they, things were going their way. And after about 30 minutes, they just resettled, got back on track, and the next 50 minutes was theirs. So mm. still a great contest, and the force looked really good. like having Isaac Fine starting. I think that made them a lot more competitive. Um, just, just I look forward to watching these two teams through the competition. They're both exciting. They're both entertaining. Um, they've both got a lot of potential, and I hope, they, I hope they stay in the top six where they belong. Yeah, I think the Reds, definitely the best game of the season for them. Um, you know, still tested at times by the force, but you really saw the class of, of that team shine through. And I think they'll only get better from here. A um, little bit tested, you know, depth wise now. The bench is looking a little bit lean in places. But, you know, with the fact that, say, Sarah Uru can play in the second row, you've got Ryan Smith that could come in if Salakai Loto is out um, for an extended period. And I think, although there'll be some, you know, little little things they need to overcome. I think overall this team is is fit to fire. And once a lot of those injuries um, and guys that have been out come back, I think they'll just continue to grow. Um, Force again, look, they're probably a team that really needs to focus on scoring tries. And we've said it before, I think to beat, you know, the teams that are mid to top table, they're going to need to score more tries in games. They look controlled most of the time and they're, they probably don't execute when they need to and, you know, in some of the opportunities they create. But, look, I think the force will will still be, you know, they'll still be a team that you don't take lightly at any point in this season. And I think just the the awe around that and rugby in WA is, is great to see. So moving on to the other games on Saturday afternoon, we had the Blues versus Chiefs and then Hurricanes Highlanders. Um, Blues, probably the biggest thing to note, Bowden Barrett makes his return off the bench there um, and he looks like he's going to start next week. A couple of key injuries. Harry Plummer out for the season with a shoulder injury requiring surgery. Roger Tavares, two of us, Ashek, also out off at halftime with a shoulder injury, but looks like he will not miss the entire season, but maybe out for a few weeks here. Um, what, a, what a game from Stefan Perifetta here at 15 as well. Um, really looked uh aggressive and and scary really every time he got the ball and was um really threatening to make holes in that chief's attack uh unfortunately the chiefs really had it had a chance to win this game a few um amazing sort of individual efforts coming off here starting from sort of Brad Weber in the sixth minute kicking and regaining 40 meters downfield to outrun half the field and then the most casual try I've ever seen from Hoskins to as well um, off a charge down and then a kick forward and then everyone running past the ball and you're just plopping one hand down to fix it off here. But um, I think these two teams definitely impressed me a whole lot more than what I saw from this Hurricanes and Highlanders game later on in the afternoon. Yeah, Chiefs, like I think the Chiefs have, again, a lot of potential here and they're, they're getting close in games and, and possibly, you know, falling a little bit short where they should be winning these ones. But the look at that back line, I think Josh Iwani, hopefully will embed himself a little bit more into this team. Um, you know, obviously Damian McKenzie not being around this year is such a huge gap to fill, but 
there's so much talent still in that back line. I've always rated Alex Nankerville. I think he's a good player. Quinta Pye, obviously, you know, had a, a bit of time in the All Blacks. He's looking like he's an exciting young player. And then once Leonard Brown comes back in, they're looking pretty solid. So I think overall, it's again, maybe they're, they're you know, type five in some ways. Their they're front row sometimes lets them down. They've got quite a few good back rowers. Um, but the Chiefs, yeah, look, I think they're a team that's possibly not as good as they have been in the in the past few years, but they can't be dropping games like this. I think this is a game they should have closed out and Blue's lucky to get one here. Yeah, luck, luck is right because Bryn Gatland really, you'd expect them to, to kick that sort of penalty from that position. So um, echo everything Toby said, like Chiefs, Chiefs unlucky, um, but that's going to hurt them. That's going to set them back uh, a game against their peers and, and it gets no easier this weekend against the Crusaders. Peter Gus saw Cooler playing eight for them, Fijian Bourne. He hasn't um, represented his country, but he's been amazing the first couple of weeks here for them, just a very dynamic player. And the sort of new option of potentially playing Tupo Vai um, at six as well for them seems to be quite a good option. They've gone now from playing back rows in the second row to now playing some second rows in the back row in this Chiefs team. Um, but potentially if he grows in that sixth row, that might be a, a sticking point for him and potentially even uh, going into the black jersey later in the year as well. Um, obviously, people that um, the All Blacks still searching for that number six for them. Named at lock this weekend and ALB is back. So it helps. at least, at least they have helps. that, yeah. And Tony Brown was very upset and called out a lot of his Highlanders team saying it wasn't really good enough. He was expecting more out of these performances. The Hurricanes weren't anything amazing off the weekend. Um, definitely still outplayed them and took their opportunities um, from Geordie Barrett. Bale and Sullivan again at 13, having a strong game there. Um, and Ruben Love putting through um, some good sort of try assists there. Um, probably personified in his first uh, assist to uh, Rakiti Stones, um, setting through the the big rumbling, bumbling um, prop forward there for the first try for the Crusaders to be the only scorer of the first half. Boys, unless you have much to say about that game, we'll probably move on to the Waratahs Brumbies, um, which was, I think, probably ended up being a bit closer than what we saw on the field, but it was a Obviously, a very physical, hard-hitting game. You saw that um, with Jake Gordon with a bandage wrapped around his head after copying him a big knock and was bleeding for a, 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 quite a while in the midpoint of this game. Um, but 27 to 20, uh, the Waratahs, again, got a couple of tries sort of in the second half, but really struggled to get points on the board despite a lot of possession in the first half. Um Brumby's just showing a little bit more class here and probably, I think, demonstrating they're still the, the ones to beat in this Australian side of the draw. Yeah, I think the Brumbies looked great and credit to the Waratahs. They they kept it close in the end and there were guys that impressed me. Donaldson, I think, is coming along. You know, he's caught out a little bit with some big hits against him, but, you know, he's kind of living up to that nickname of Bernie. Uh, Bernie Larkham after Bernie Larkham kind of drifting through, ghosting through gaps and showing some good pace and and playmaking ability. So I've been impressed with him. It'll be interesting to see how Will Harrison comes back into the team this week at fullback, just because I'm not sure he's the type of guy you want carrying the ball in open play. 
he's he's still a little bit small and gets thrown around a bit. So that could be a challenge for him. But this Waratahs team is showing a lot of good physicality, um, some strong defence, and I think their attitude again is is so important. They they've come out this season with almost nothing to lose really, and they turn up week to week and really bring their their A game in in um, you know defence and attitude. And look, there's a few things to be ironed out, but I'm impressed with um, you know the way guys are lifting and. I think they're showing actually some good cohesion and it's nice to see Coleman actually persisting with this 15 as much as possible week to week. And I think that's the the critical difference between them and and the Rebels is like they they're just really gritty. They they're obviously there for each other. They're they're playing a full 80. They're being really physical early. In this game was very physical early on. Jake Jake got the stray boot from bit of a somersault but like there was so many big hits early on um just heavy contact especially for the tight five um but they're, they're just willing they're willing to keep doing that and it's it's paying dividends because they are wearing the opposition down when they get a lot of possession and they're not making as many errors because they're not trying to be too extravagant um they are wearing the opposition down and they're getting more opportunities it's giving donaldson a bit more space um and it's keeping them in games and and you know, we talk about late points making the the um, sort of difference look look less than maybe it was. Well, they're critical late points, and the Waratahs are sitting there in fifth in the competition with one win, but they've got three bonus points. So they've obviously put the tries on 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 Fiji week one, but they've they've lost within two um, in weeks two and three. Um, lost within seven weeks, two and three, and that that's meant that they are now fifth. Whereas, uh, and you know, the team doing the worst with one win is the Fiji and Drua sitting down at ninth um, with with only with, with no bonus points. So it, it doesn't the grit might not get you you know more wins, um, but it's keeping them in games and it's making a meaningful difference on the on the 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 ladder. And, and that's going to be important come finals. It's important when you lose a game that you wanted to win against the Kiwis. Well, now you've accrued three, four bonus points. You've basically picked up a spare win. Um, so really important that they're doing that. And they're just looking like a better combination. Um, if you're competing with the Brumbies at GIO, then you should be proud. Yeah, totally. And I think that's really a good point that Brumbies at home are tremendously difficult to, to beat and overcome, to come within seven in poor weather. You know, that's a situation where Waratahs of the last few seasons at least would crumble and kind of get points put on late and the score would blow out and you go, how are they losing by 30? But they're almost doing the opposite now and against the Reds and Brumbies, which are two really good teams in Australia. Well, strength Brumbies too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Brumbies are going to give any team in this competition a run for their money, I think. Um, so Waratahs should be really proud and... Um, turn things around in a relatively short period of time, which is, again, impressive. And Coleman, as we said, has, um, you know, experience in doing that with teams. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do next because I think if they come this close to these two top teams, then they should beat teams like the Force, like the Rebels, and they'll give themselves then an opportunity to make the finals. And perfect timing with guys like Will Harris really starting to to find... Um, yep. significance in, in their games. forward pack yeah just massive game out of him like if running free with ball in hand it's a bit like when you see Nick Frost get out loose like 
so like a lot of pace for a big guy and is now starting to find the right balance with obviously he's bulked up but is actually getting the right kind of coordination and and dynamics in his runs he's bumping guys off and he's he's getting a lot more out of every effort which is really good to see we want to see those um exceptional young guys from that really elite 20s group where we where we got Lolisiu and and Will Harrison and Will Harris was there and Harry Wilson and and all the rest like those guys are um, are the next gen? They're the 2027 gen. Um, we want to see them developing now and and you know claiming their spot amongst the international amongst the national team, so they can bed down a bunch of tests before they're called upon in a World Cup. And just a very quick shout out to Charlie Gamble. I think you know his ball carrying in this game was a lot better, and that was something that I was critical of with him that he was more of an a defensive seven um, who didn't necessarily pilfer that well either. So to see him with ball in hand where he's making some breaks and showing some decent pace, you know, there was a ball there maybe should have given a bit earlier at the start of the game. But overall, I think it shows that these guys in every position have some potential. And I just, yeah, again, I like the cohesion. I like the fact they're really building into the season and front row hasn't changed, centres haven't changed. You know, as long as they can stay healthy, I think they're going to give themselves a fighting chance. And great to see also um, there were some cons, uh, there were some concerns that um, Parisi might be leaving us to go to the new NRL team, the Dolphins, um, in West Brisbane, but that been quelled this week with him re-signing with the Waratahs and the Wallabies uh, for another two years. So great to see that as well. Guys, before we go to the next round, um, we're just going to drop in to see what's happening in the Six Nations this weekend because we are up to round four there as well. Um, so I want to see what you guys are thinking. We've been testi- testing the lines for Super Rugby Pacific. We're going to do the same thing for the Six Nations this week as well. So um, we start off on Saturday, so 7 a.m. Saturday um, Australian time. You have Wales hosting France at Principality in Cardiff. Um, what are you thinking? What's your what's your margin? Got to got to give them a few points just for being a Principality. Um, fortress for them. I reckon. I reckon this is a. I reckon this is eleven and a half points to France. Yeah, look, it's really difficult to pick because Wales have the tendency to pull out these sorts of results, particularly at home. They'll surprise you, um, and I think the bookies know that. So I'll be picking France by minus six and a half. So they've got them down at minus nine and a half. So Leo just takes that one. Very close, though. Very close. Um, we then go to um, the Italy-Scotland game down in Rome, and that's on Sunday morning um, about 1 a.m. Australian time, 3 a.m. Uh, so watchable. Time. I know, so watchable for our, our <laughs> loyal v- listeners and viewers but we we have we have fans in italy and in the uk so this is for you guys this is for you guys um what do you guys think italy v scotland can't wait to see you know finn russell starting him to actually you know absolutely tear italy apart look i think you know it's been how long has it been since italy's won a game in the six nations seven or eight years or something um yeah, I think 2015 is, is lingering in my mind, so I think it's seven years. Yeah, it's a bloody long time. Um, Scotland are decent as well. Look, 
gone are the days where you go, oh, Scotland, they're pretty average. This is a team that's exciting. They can score points. They've got some creativity about them. And I think, um, you know, we're probably looking at a minus 28 and a half start for, for Scotland. I wasn't going to go that steep. I'll give them, I'll go into the minus 19 and a half. I think it's around the 20 mark. Well, Dan, Leah's looking good today because it is on the money. 19 and a half points is what they have given Scotland for this game. Um, and the final game of the weekend there um, is the English-Irish game at Twickenham. Um, very much a tight affair here. Uh, obviously, Ireland coming off the hot start, but England clawing their way back into this Six Nations tournament. Yeah, this is tricky. Um... Twickenham, it's definitely going to be England favourites. Twickenham probably gives them at least a penalty as well. Uh, I'm going to put it at put it at oh, six and a half. Six now, England minus six and a half. Yeah, it's probably a bit generous, but I, I, I'll err on the side of of England. Plenty of room for you to come in and sweep this one, Toby. Well, I, was, I just have minus two and a half in my mind to England. I think probably Ireland are the better team at the moment, but playing at Twickenham, like you said, that's a big factor for them. And um, again, they, they tend to win at home. So I think England minus two and a half, it'll be a close game and yeah, hopefully Ireland get up. Well, the boogies have a lot more faith in Ireland than either of you because they have Ireland at minus one and a half, even in Twickenham. So wow. pretty much a push, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Toby, you get that one just barely, even though you've gone on the wrong team there. Um, let's keep going. That'll be an interesting couple of games there. Obviously, definitely the Wales, France and Ireland, England, always great games to see um, from our Northern Hemisphere uh, opponents there. Um, over the weekend, we did see the first round of the Super Rugby or Super W as well. Um, preceding a few of our games there. We saw wins from our Fijian women as well um, going up before uh, our uh, Drua game and they, they won that one 66 to 5. So definitely a team to watch coming on early up here. Um, we also had the Waratahs women take down the Brumbies um, in a great game. We saw the, the changeover from Ash Houston, who's been a Super Rugby Waratahs um, stalwart in, in past years, but now switch over to the Brumbies playing 10 for them. Um, but the Waratahs took that one 31-17, whereas the Queensland Reds uh, women took down the Western Force women 43-27 there as well. Let's jump into a new round of Super Rugby Pacific and we start on Friday night, the Blues hosting the winless Highlanders here and boys, what's your margins for this game here? This is a 10-point margin. The Highlanders off a bad start. Um, the Blues, yeah, they've, they've got some injuries, but I, I can't. I think it's more than a converted try. Um, I'm going to put it at 10.5 to the Blues. Arch, is this playing? Sorry, is this getting played in Auckland? It is in Auckland. Um, there are no crowds. It actually looks like it's up at North Harbour Stadium, so a bit of a smaller ground um, up north, okay. not played out of the fortress at Eden Park. 
Yeah, look, I think it's, again, it's difficult because Blues should be heavily favoured, but I think, again, Highland, it's scrappy. They're not a terrible team. Um, I think they'll stick in this one. I'm going to go. Pretty bad. I don't know. I think I think they've got a fair bit of pride in that jersey, and I, I don't think they'll roll over for anyone. So I'm going to say Blues minus eight and a half. Lee said what minus ten and a half? Or did you? So Leah takes it because it's minus eleven and a half uh, to the Blues in this one. Um, Bryce Heen comes in at twelve in place of Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and we get our first start from Bowden Barrett of the year here as well. That's got to be the part of it, yeah. Losing Tuivasa-Shek to a sub, sub his standard replacement, but yeah, big big boost with Bowden coming back for sure. We then go down to Melbourne and Amy Park, and it's the Rebels hosting the Brumbies, and things aren't looking up for the Rebels here, having to take on. Um, their strongest opponents so far in this Brumbies team that's off uh, a bit of a hot start as well and has overcome that sort of um, scrappy Waratahs team to take a win. What what are you going to pick here, Toads? Look, I think the weather played a bit of a part in in the result in Canberra. However, if we get some dry a dry track down in Melbourne. With probably a limited fan base there, I would expect for a, a Rebels team that's really struggling. I think the the Brumbies could really take advantage here. Rebels are pretty desperate. I know they're getting Hodgie back, which will help. But I'm going to say Brumbies by minus 17 and a half. Yeah, just looking at the Brumbies lineup, um, they've they've only made a couple of changes. They're still looking very strong. Um, the Rebels hodge back. I think they've got Kellaway back on the wing as well. Um, that's that's got to be something as well. But I still think this is probably yeah out out in the three try zone. I'm gonna I'll go twenty and a half. So Toby gets it on the nose at seventeen and a half points there, um, keeping his way in this round. But yeah, Pune's back for the for the Rebels and. I mean, their, num- their number eight they put on, I mean, he made an impact off the bench two weeks ago, started this last week, Tamati Iwani. Um, he's a big boy and he obviously offers a fair bit of physicality and a bit of go forward, um, probably what they've been missing since the loss of someone like Nicerani and also not having Rob Leota there. They just need a few more men to stand up just like that. But, yeah, it's going to be tough against that um, very physical Brumbies forward pack. Yeah, look, I mean, those guys in the back row, Brad Wilkin, Michael Wells, they're full of trying, but they're just not the most polished or exciting or necessarily point-scoring players. So I think they'll tackle all day and they'll try their hearts out. But I think this Rebels team, you know, maybe the injection of Hodge and Kellaway will make a big difference. But, yeah, I just think that the class of the Brumbies will be just far too strong. The next game we have is on Saturday afternoon and it's the Hurricanes at Sky Stadium hosting the Moana Pacifica um, here as well. So the, the question really is how much do you think, how much respect did the Moana Pacifica buy themselves against that probably B sort of Crusaders team that did have a lot of handling errors on the weekend um, and against this Hurricanes team that has proven that they can score points? Yeah, tricky one this because the the Hurricanes lineup isn't out. So I'm going to assume that they 
that they don't make too many changes um, and and that they they take a reasonably strong side into this. It's still only early in the season. It feels a bit premature to be resting guys um, after only three games. So assuming they're at full strength, I think they're probably also um, being favoured by somewhere around the three three tries, maybe a little more. I'll go 22 and a half. Yeah, look, I was seeing 24 and a half Hurricanes. I just get the feeling that Minor Pacifica, although they had a pretty good showing in week one, this Hurricanes team on their day can just go nuts and you could see them putting on 50 points or something and and maybe the, the Minor Pacifica scoring a few tries as well, but I think Hurricanes, if they play well, should dominate and should win win quite big in this one. So you're going to stick with 24 and a half or are you going to go bigger? No, 20, 24 and a half. Happy with that. Okay. Well, you've split it right down the middle because it's 23 and a half. So um, no one gets any points right there. So you're looking, you're looking very strong here, guys. Um, next game is one I'm looking forward to because Crusaders hosting the Chiefs down in Christchurch, always a tough um, outing between these two teams. The Crusaders... While they've obviously not dropped a game still, they haven't quite looked their normal self and they're now bringing back a few new players. Um, obviously, lots of changes from that B team playing last week. We had to see the first start from Moana back to a bit more of a full-strength lineup here. Still have Pablo Matera in there at eight at the moment with Ethan Blackadder and um, Christy as your back rowers as well. Boys, what are you feeling here? You, you already said that the Chiefs are also getting people like Leonard Brown and stuff back. Yeah, I, look, Bryn Gatman starting at 10 worries me for the Chiefs. I'm not happy with that. Um, and the Crusaders look like they've named a close to full strength lineup. Um, so, look, I think this is always a bit of a, a matchup as well in terms of there's a bit of extra, I think, intensity and aggression in this game. Um, I'm going to go Crusaders minus 12 and a half. Yeah, full strength Crusaders lineup looking very threatening. Um, just just to be different to Toby, I'll go 11 and a half. So the bookies have it as Crusaders minus eight and a half. So not quite as much of a blood as, um, as you guys are thinking at the moment. Still think the Chiefs can keep it a bit closer, um, Leo takes it for that one um and our final two games obviously back across to the australian side of things we have suncorp stadium um hopefully drained of a little bit water hopefully these guys aren't going to be playing water polo this weekend um but the reds hosting the drawer down there late on saturday night um and again is this going to be back to more of the same for the drawer of their first couple of weeks or if they found a little bit of a spark and do the Reds need to be wary? Uh, I think the Reds should definitely be wary. Um, the Reds are a, a mobile physical team that's and, and they do the, the basics well. It's the Brad Thorne style. Um, so they're in a position if they keep their composure to you know minimise the opportunities for the Fijians and play a good tactical kicking game. They've got plenty of good kickers in the side. It does worry me a bit that they're playing Geordie at fullback. I don't really see why you wouldn't put Jock Campbell at fullback and leave him on the wing or they're both in the starting side. That that seems silly, but you've got 
kicking mouse everywhere between O'Connor, Stewart, Paisami, Campbell. Like I've no trouble spotting gaps in the Fijian um, defence and playing down their end. And they've named the the most full strength side they can. Really, um, it's getting a little bit thin on the bench, particularly in the second row. So. Uh, look, I think the Reds will be strongly favoured. I think they're probably still getting a little bit more credit than maybe they deserve. Like last weekend was a great game, but to me, they're actually probably two mediocre games based on their form of last year um, and one good game. I think they're probably they're probably heavier favourites than they deserve to be. I think the Fijians will be competitive. Um, I'll give them the three three and yeah three tries, um, twenty one and a half to the Reds but I don't think it'll be that broad. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think the Reds are yet to hit their straps and not that they got lucky in the first couple of rounds, but I think they they just really didn't play to their potential. Um, but, it, you know, if they continue to ramp up as they've started to do, I can see them winning well. Um, Fiji, I'll have some confidence off the back of that win, but I think Reds minus 16 and a half. So the bookies are thinking it's going to be much more of a blowout than both of you two. Um, they've given them 25 and a half points here. Uh, so being not really believing in what's what's been happening um, up there in the Sunshine Coast last weekend, uh, I think the Reds will definitely have it. Um, before we go on to the last game, do you think this is the year that we see Fraser McWright get his actual first start in that seven jersey for the Wallabies? He was outstanding last week for them as a real sort of connecting player and helping. He's, he's just sort of got such good vision and such good hands. I mean, he helped set up that first try for the, the Reds so well. He's very yeah, much like Hooper in that, though. Like, we, we talk about Hooper could have almost been a centre. Like, he understands the space and, and the breakout. He understands looking for support. He understands the support lines he can run. Um, I, I've, I've thought Fraser deserves an opportunity before now and so I hope he gets it I think he's definitely ready he's, he's a absolute weapon for the Reds and he you know he still makes those critical turnovers when they're under pressure yeah I think he's physically now probably up to playing international football um, and potentially starting if if Hooper doesn't come back for the Tars anytime soon um, yeah it could be that the Fraser gets a bit of a run out I mean it, it's hard because I think our first test match series is against England right Got three games against mm, England, so yeah, I think it's up the, at the, the wall. You know, maybe Fraser will have earned his opportunity, but I, I think it's unlikely that Rennie's going to throw him in there, particularly when Hooper's captain. Um, but off the bench, who knows? That could be an opportunity for him. He's looking great. He does remind me a lot of Hooper, but I think with a, a more of a natural ability over the ball, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, look, I think he's been excellent and deserves his opportunity. And I just hate the idea that he's clearly our next best seven. Like if Hooper was out injured or retired on the spot for some reason, I don't think anyone would be arguing that McRide would be the next guy up, right? He's pretty much the the obvious choice. And yeah, it's, it's sad when a guy like that doesn't get a decent amount of time um, at a younger age to, to play at that level. Um, and it's hard for a seven, particularly when you're a, when you're not some sort of hybrid center. seven. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a specialist seven, they don't want to carry you um, in, in the subs either. And so to get 20 or 30 minutes at the end of a game, when Hooper's the captain, it's against England. You really got to look at the way they're going to view that England series. And it's going to be, um, you know, we want to impress our dominance on them 
for the mental edge come 2023. We want to obviously take the points off them and, and climb the ladder as well, um, build momentum. So it's not really, it's definitely not an ideal time to be um, compromising a little bit of result or, or um, combination building for a newer developing player who's going to have a, a long and bright future, but you kind of got to find a time for him. And so maybe it's just after that, maybe, maybe there is a game, maybe he can start against Argentina or something like that. We've got to get some, some minutes into him at some point. It's, it's unfair to waste him in the squad and never getting a run when Hooper's so dominant. It's tough, tough to ask. Even more difficult, obviously, because he's captain Hooper and, Therefore, you do have a conundrum if you're playing him off the bench or not even having him in the squad. It's a bit more disruptive. Um, but I think Fraser, look, if Hooper doesn't get injured one of these days and Fraser gets more of an opportunity, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, leading up to the World Cup next year that Fraser's putting a hell of a lot of pressure on hoops week to week. So, yeah, maybe this break or even do Hooper good as we saw last year when he came off the back of that sabbatical in Japan he came back even fresher and had one of his best seasons I think yet um but Fraser look he'd be right in the right in the the focus of Rennie I think and he'll be looking yeah to get him in the team as soon as possible and our final game of the weekend of round four of Super Rugby Pacific is the Waratahs hosting the Western Force at Leichhardt Oval um so for me, this is almost going to be, I think, one of the games of the round. I think Waratahs have such a good opportunity here to make a, you know, a really good impression on this season. They started above expectations, um, as have the force a little bit, although they've kind of been building over a couple of seasons. And the the Tars really, look, they were terrible last year and the only way is up, but their playing stocks are relatively similar, and that's what has made their turnaround, I think, even more surprising. Um, but it just shows you what a new coaching regime can do. Playing at Leichhardt, they they wanted to make a point of, of making that a bit of a stronghold and were, unable, and were unable to do that against the Reds. But I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched, and I expect the force to come out pretty physically. They've got some big mobile forwards as well, and... I think it's a really good matchup. It could be a really even game. And I think the Waratahs might be slightly favoured. I'll, I'll take them at minus one and a half. Yeah, this is a tough one. The, the force of bringing Thrush back into the second row and pushing Lee Warner to, to blindside. Um, and they've also got Quenzel back into inside centre, uh, which moves Kahui to the bench. And that's a really, I really like the look of this back line. Aside from Kyle Godwin just, floating out of position, committing to the wrong guy every single defensive play and leaving an enormous gap on his outside shoulder. Um, I think that that group there, Strawn and um, Pulu Mateli, like really exciting and, and it's going to be a massive contest. Like two very exciting teams. These, these are the two teams that, you know, should be, should be seeing third as they're definitely playing each other for third and they both should be trying to challenge for second. Um, I can't split them. I'll I'll go I'll go Waratahs by a half just for their being at home. So the bookies have Waratahs by three and a half here. They give a little bit more to them with the home field advantage and potentially, I guess, the overwhelming history, but obviously not last year with these two. But I agree, one of the most entertaining games of the round. And 
both these teams will be wanting to make a statement that they are the um, number three at least um, on this Australian side of the Tasman. Absolutely. That wraps it up for Super Rugby Pacific for this week. Boys, before we sign off here as well, um, the latest news as well of Michael Checker um, signing on as Argentina's head coach for the next what um, World Cup here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think that's a pretty savvy move by Czech. I'm not sure if Argentina, you know, they come off the back of Ledesma, who I think is a decent coach, but maybe doesn't have the the overall, I guess, knowledge for the for the whole team. Maybe he's just better suited working with the Fords. But he's been he's been um, st- he stepped down obviously quite recently. Checker is again, he's a guy who can turn around the team in a very short period of time, and he can you know, really inspire them with the way he does things. Um, these guys know Checker pretty well because he's been an assistant coach there over the last few seasons um, and really come in and out of that setup. So it's probably ideal for Argentina as a short-term hold, I think, to the end of next year in the World Cup. That's probably as long as he's going to be hanging around. And I, I was saying to the guys before, you know, he does have aspirations to coach the Wallabies again. Whether that's realistic or not is another matter, but that's what he wants to do. And to keep him in the fold, I guess, coaching internationally is is probably a good idea for him. And, you know, by no means catching, you know, coaching Lebanon in rugby league is not going to cut it. So wise move by Czech, and he's been doing some good work with Stan Sport, but I think that'll obviously suffer a little bit through this. But he'll be, um, yeah, looking to ramp up plans into next year's World Cup and hopefully turn around some of the fortunes of, of this Pumas team. So we might leave it there, boys. Um, Leo obviously topped that tipping uh, between the two of you, five points to three. So um, takes around here after that tie in the first um, week last week as well. Um, make sure you are keeping up with all the extra news on our social media at Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, that's where you'll get any extra information and teams as they come out. And otherwise, make sure you're liking and subscribing to wherever you listen to your podcasts. But from all of us here at Running Rugby Podcast, enjoy the games this weekend. And as always, keep on running. Run.